Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I am your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. I am back. Oh, I hope y'all loved the Hall of Fun series in July as much as I did, as much as the guests did. I love getting texts from our guests when their show came out about how many of y'all were reaching out and telling them how much you enjoyed hearing that conversation. That is my Hall of Fun. Now, if you go to my Instagram, if you go to the That Sounds Fun podcast Instagram, you can fill out your hall of fun. So make sure you grab that graphic, fill out which shows were your favorite over the last nine years. Who would be in your hall of fun for That Sounds Fun episodes? We would love to see it. We've been had the most fun sharing those. I'm back in the office this week after my summer Sabbath. We have had a great week already back together, and we have got a great show in store for you today. Before we dive into today's conversation, I got to tell you about one of our incredible partners, Athletic Greens. Okay, I don't know about y'all, but if you're getting back into your routine after some vacation time like me, you want to make sure you're incorporating all the daily nutrients you need into your rhythms. AG1 by Athletic Greens is the way to go. With AG1, you can get the daily nutrients you need without taking a bunch of different things. It is the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. You just mix one scoop of powder in cold water once a day. Every scoop is filled with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality that give us major benefits like gut and mood support and boosted energy and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails, and it supports your immune system. Listen, those single-serving travel packs, I took them with me everywhere in July. It can just be thrown in your purse or carry-on when you're on the go. makes it so easy for a busy schedule or for traveling as I was doing. You don't have to set a reminder to order it or worry about running out because AG1 is delivered like clockwork every month. So it is super easy to make it a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, AG1 has given you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five of those free travel packs with your first purchase. Y'all, they are amazing. I loved them. They went out of the country, out of the state. They went everywhere with me. So go to athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun. That's athleticgreens.com slash sounds fun to check it out. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend Granger Smith. You are going to love getting to know him and his story. After 24 years touring as an award-winning, platinum-selling country music singer-songwriter, Granger chose to leave the music business to pursue a future in ministry. The summer marks his last tour as he continues to step into teaching opportunities and pursue a seminary degree. But his story is marked with a lot of grief, too. Today, we talk about his new book, Like a River, which is his journey through losing his three-year-old son, River, back in 2019, and the grief and guilt and even addiction he's walked through to get to this point. And my life this week marks one year since we lost my nephew, TJ. So it is not lost on me, God's timing, to remind me and all of us of what he can do with grief and loss. It's a story none of us want, but we are often faced with. And Granger's story felt like the exact right one for this week. This conversation is emotional. I cried just about the entire thing. (laughs) And it is heavy at times, but it's also hope-filled and a reminder of what God can do with our grief, what he is capable of restoring and redeeming. And a little heads up, if your mini BFF is listening along, this may be one that you want to hear um, before you invite your kids into the everyone faces grief. So it's great for kids to talk about grief. But Granger gets very detailed about losing his son and about uh, the process of his family life after that. And I just think it's a grown up conversation that you'd want to hear before your kids hear it as well. So here is my conversation with my friend Granger Smith. 
Granger, this is coming out the week that your book releases. Um, And the part of my story, I don't know if you know, is my nephew died last year this week. So we are at one year exactly of him passing away. And I thought, what a perfect Mm. episode to have you on because we share the loss, a version of child loss and family loss. And so as I was reading your book yesterday... I was like, well, <laughs> I was ready to talk about us, you becoming a pastor. <laughs> I, I did not know how deep this, I mean, I knew your story because we all, you know, lived at it, particularly here in Nashville and all the people we share. But will you kind of tell me why in the world did you want to write about this, Granger? Why did you want to write about the loss of your son? Um, yeah, I th- that's a great question. And I think my best answer is, Especially, especially over the last four or so years, I I have been trusting more than ever. As I as I feel deep in the spirit, as I feel like I'm, um, my prayer life is somewhat healthy. It's never where where All I right, want it to be. Right, certainly, yeah. Um, I feel like at that point, I could trust more what my desires are. Oh, because wow. he will give us the desires of our heart. Not, not so much like we might think he gives us whatever we want. I believe he gives us, God gives us our wants. He gives us new wants. And so I'm, I'm, have begun of the last half, half decade to further identify, oh, this is, this is a strange desire that I cannot extinguish. I can't stop thinking about this. I'm a little bit obsessed by this thought. Um, nothing else is going to get rid of this thought. There's been a lot of things like that. And the book, writing this book was definitely one of those really? new desires that I just thought, maybe I should write this book. No. And then the next day, yeah. no, I think I should, I think I should write this book. And then it's like, no, probably not. No. And it's like, it starts to, it gets worse and worse. It's like, I feel like God uh, puts heat on me yeah. and just goes, Oh, you don't have to write a book, but I'm going to keep this pressure on you. <laughs> if <laughs> right. you could withstand that right. pressure, right. yeah, that's what, almost what it feels like. That's that's where it really um, that's the beginning. And so then I just I called my brother, who's my manager, and I said, I think I need to write a book. And he goes, I would I would reach out to some author friends and just see what the next step is. Yeah. And the next step ended up being find a literary agent. Yes. So in my life, it's always been. Let's just take the next step. We don't have to think about 10 steps forward. Let's just yeah. think about what do we do next? Yeah. And you found um, Esther, who's one yeah. of the best uh, literary agents. So well done. She's amazing. <laughs> I love yes, her. she, is. she um, is. I hate asking you to retell this story of River. I mean, I, I so I'm sorry to do that because it feels like <laughs> I don't want to put you in pain. But you, you could have also said that by saying, I don't want you to tell the story. I, I don't want you to have to tell the story again, but I'm making you tell yeah. the story again. You could have sit there. <laughs> I, 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 I know. I, I'm i making you tell the story again. You're right, you Granger. I'm say sorry. It's, it's, it's my podcast and you will do what I ask you to do. <laughs> it's not that. It's not that. I just, I, I just want you to hear me say that I am holding with you that you're having to retell a terrible story every time you talk about this book. But also you get to honor your son. So 
Will you tell us a little bit about what the book is about? Yeah, um, I, let me say this. I don't mean anything by this sure. question, but how much have you read of it? I read the whole thing. I read it yesterday. Wow. Tabbed and in everything. Impressive. That's impressive. Okay. Yes. Okay, well, thank you for that. That's amazing. Um, what's interesting is my editor, Kyle. Yeah, he used to be my agent. Me. Oh, did he? Yeah, oh, that's amazing. I love Kyle. So Kyle, just two days ago, he texted me and he said, because I did a, they sent me a copy, like the, the official hardback copy, and I unboxed it and yeah, put it on my Instagram. Yeah. And he texted me after that and he said, I watched your unboxing. And he said, for the first time, I realized that this book is not so much about the loss of your son as it is about the rebirth of your soul. Oh, that's true in my, yeah, that seems and true. I said, and I knew that, but it, at that point, it became apparent that maybe not everyone will know that, at least not at first, yeah. including the editor himself. Yeah. After yeah. all of this, all of the editing that he's, we've gone through with this book, he's just now seeing the real meaning, the real story behind it. So I think it's interesting maybe to even start, start yeah. off by saying that River, I, I lost my son River, and that's was the catalyst of writing the book. And that was the beginning of the story. And it's actually chapter one yeah. is that. I mean, like the first loss. three pages are his yeah. death. Yeah. But th that's a pretty good indication that the, if the first three pages give away the story, then that's definitely not the climax of the yeah. story. Um, and so the, the rest of the book, the, the other 200 pages after that are the, it's really the aftermath and what happened after that. Yeah. So I think it's important. Um, and I don't know, because I think a lot of people might start to read the book just because they're like, I want to hear about this, the loss of his yeah. son. But I, I hope, my hope is that they'll realize that ultimately that's not what the book is about. And so that's, that's the beginning of what I'll yeah. say. But, but in 2019, in June, so four years ago from when you and I are doing this interview, um, we lost my son, River. He drowned in our swimming pool in my backyard at home while I was in the backyard with him. Um, I have three kids, or I did at the time. I have four now. Uh, but I had three kids. The two older kids were with me playing in the backyard. It was on June 4th, 2019, about 7.30 p.m. The night before I was actually going to fly to Nashville for uh, the CMT awards yeah. show. Um, Amber, my wife was inside, uh, taking a shower and kind of getting ready to wind the kids down for, for bed. The boys were playing water gun fight and my daughter and I were, we were playing uh, gymnastics, which she loved to do at the time. She would, Texas is just beautiful in June. The yeah. grass is green and the sky is blue and the clouds are puffy and white. And, um, the weather's not, not quite too hot yet. And she was doing a handstand and, I was holding her ankles as she was trying to get her form perfect on the handstand. And I thought to myself, it's a little bit quiet. Where's river. And I knew that they were playing water gun fight. And now this part of the story, I still don't know exactly how much time went by yeah. from when I saw Riv last, but it could have been as, as short as 30 seconds and as much as maybe two minutes. Yeah. But we were all there in the backyard. Yeah, because you say in the book, you asked a lot, where's River, if it got quiet? Because he was always getting himself into, you know, mm -hmm. he sounds like a super fun, funny kid. 
Yeah, he was a, he was a fun kid. He was he was um, super athletic and outgoing, and he you know we we lived on um, in the country, so there was there's no busy street or anything, uh, and and so our pool was gated and fenced and gated and had the child lock on it, the kind that you have to pull up uh, for it to unclick and then the gate opens. And so he couldn't get in there. At least that's what we thought uh, for the three years prior to this event. But when it got quiet, I thought, where's River? And I turned around and I just had this feeling 20 feet behind me in the swimming pool. I looked into the pool and I saw him in there and he was face down. And I just, that moment for me and that, that sight, it still just feels like it didn't happen. It feels, it feels surreal. Um, because you, your brain, something when something like that happens to when you try to process that kind of information, your brain, because it's so unthinkable, tries to give you, um, a, a, a better suggestion of what might have happened or how it might have happened. And, wow. and when it comes, when it can't figure that out, it comes up empty and kind of repeats. And so what happens, at least to me, is I've thought about this a lot. It's just like a spinning wheel on a computer. So you kind of freeze and the, the wheel starts spinning and you yeah. can't really comprehend any kind of logic besides just basic motor functions. And so I ran to the pool, I jumped over the fence. It was closed. The gate was closed. Um, and he was in there and, and later we found the, the water gun floating. Cause so he was obviously trying to fill it up. My son Lincoln was gone. He had, he had left. And so maybe we just, we still don't know uh, exactly what Lincoln was doing. And we've talked about it countless oh, times sure. and we, we don't try to push it, but um, when I got to him, I thought, I thought that I was going to flip him over and he was going to be coughing and scared and terrified. And I was going to go river. You, what are you doing in here? How'd you get in here? You know, buddy, you know, you can never get in here by yourself, but that never happened. Instead, he was, his face was blue and his eyes were open and rolling around and he was limp like a rag doll. And I, I was in complete shock and um, took him out uh, out of the pool and started CPR, which I didn't really know. Oh my gosh, reading that part where you're was. like, "How do I count?" And what am I? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just it's like I'd seen stuff from the movies, right. um, and you know, I knew I know that CPR is important and everyone should learn it, but I didn't really. I, I just had basic knowledge, so I also didn't have my phone on me which, you know, we always have our phones on us, but not in situations like that. I didn't. And so my daughter was with me and she, um, she ran to get my wife, Amber. Yeah. And I told, and so Amber comes out and then I had to make her go back in cause she didn't have a phone either. Right. So, so then we called 911. It, we live in the country. So, uh, that took about 10 minutes mm -hmm. for the emergency services to arrive. And that was, that's just too long. Um, they were able to get his heartbeat back, but the brain damage was too significant. I didn't, I didn't really know any of this. I could say that four years in hindsight, but mm -hmm. I didn't really know. I just, I still had hope. I thought when I got the heartbeat back, I thought, well, okay, you know, we really dodged a bullet here. We're going to, 
we're going to get him back. And it's going to be a long process, I thought, maybe. But uh, but I didn't know that just 48 hours after that, they would they would officially call him brain dead. I mean, what are you praying in the middle of all of that? Are you praying? Is it just like, do you remember? Yeah, it, it was the prayers then on, on at Ground Zero were, oh God, no, please, Jesus, save save this boy, help us. Oh no, this can't, please, please God, help him breathe, help him breathe. It was it was just very basic. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, when I'm thinking about that Granger, and we're gonna. To fast forward four years, the thing that a lot of us have seen recently on social media is you're leaving country music for now. You're mm. you're leaving the road <laughs> and you're stepping into full-time ministry. <laughs> so mm. from four years ago, begging God to save your child, now you're giving your life to him in ministry. Mm. How how's that? <laughs> how how is that the change? <sighs> well, uh, as you know, um, that's really why I had to write an entire book right. uh, because because it was a it was a day by day week by week process and so much of that process was me um, getting the world stripped away from me mm. because immediately after we lost River I dove into the attempted healing of myself yeah you know it's like okay I, what what can I am not good. I'm in a really bad place. <laughs> right. And our family, our family is at like at the brink. Like this is the moment when families just break apart. Yeah. Um, my kids were there. They saw something with their little brother that no child should ever have to see. And they did. They saw it. They were there. Uh, my wife lost her little baby. What what where do we go from here? I'm in a right. bad spot. And so I thought I better learn everything I can about healing yeah. and about fixing a family. I better learn how to do that. And so that was what that was where I set off to do. I set off to read and wake up a little bit earlier and monitor every bite of food that I had just to make sure that I was I was as good as I could be yeah. to be the rock of the family. And all of those ideas were slowly crumbling. It was, it was a house <laughs> built on shifting sand. That's one of the best parts of the book. I can't wait for people to read it, Granger, because it is like, I tried this. That wasn't it. I tried this. That wasn't it. I mean, it is just like so honest. The journey is so honest. Mm. I, I remember writing and just almost thinking this can't, this, if, if someone was not a witness to these things, they would have thought I was just making this stuff up. I mean, the fact you had to go back on the road and start doing shows like that month, right? Wasn't it in June that you yeah, went back and started doing shows weeks, again? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that it, people wouldn't believe that part if it wasn't documented, right? I mean, that's yeah. unbelievable. Those first shows, what do you remember? Do you remember doing the shows? Yeah, I remember specifically, de definitely the first one, um, because I remember how terrified I was um, to show emotion. Maybe I was going to break down on the stage. That right. would be terrible. That's going to be on everyone's Twitter feed. Right. Um, do I, do I just try to act normal or is that weird? You're like, if it would be weird if I didn't say anything about river, I didn't sure didn't want to, I didn't want to bring it up. That would, that would just possibly cause the train wreck to happen. But would it be weird if I didn't? Yeah. 
would I be, would I look like just a, you know, a emotionless father? Um, and all of that, you know, kind of wrapped into my, the identity that I, that I was carrying around with me that as I walked on the stage, everyone was going to be thinking, ah, there's the guy that was in the backyard as his son drowned. How, how terrible do you have to be as a dad wow. to fail at the one job that you're here to do? Keep them alive till they're 18. Like that's the kind of the joke that everyone says, wow. you know, like, you know, my job as a parent is just keep them alive till they're 18. Right. Well, okay. Well, I failed at that. Right. W- what do I do now? H- how could I possibly face anyone? How could I, how could I have any kind of credibility as a musician or anything? Yeah. If I've, I've failed at the, the, easiest task that any parent could have. I mean, parents have done this for millions of years and I failed at it. Whatever, whatever, not millions, but you know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So, yes, yes. so that's what I was carrying around. Now I will say, and I kind of mentioned this in the book that I was, I was relieved to walk out on the stage and see a lot more sympathy on faces. Yes. And there were, a, there were a lot of tears and people wearing the red river shirts that yeah. we, we sold for the hospital benefit. And yeah. And, and so that, and yeah, yeah, that helped that, that helped. But, but the irony, I guess, in that too, was what is that I also, I didn't really want to see that either. Right. I didn't really want to see right. the red shirts. Right. I didn't want to see people sad. I, so I didn't know what I wanted right. and there was no right or wrong answer. I just, I, I think I just wanted it to all go away. Yes. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's what our family has experienced in the grief as well Is like, it's still, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just so teary about it, but it's okay. Talking to another family who knows I haven't done very much in the last year. Sorry. So yeah. so yeah. It, it is this like, man, we don't want this to be our story. <laughs> this is not the story that you want to carry. And so so how what has that I as I was going to bed last night, I was thinking about talking to you and I was like, the thing that I feel is we don't ever get away from this. We don't ever get away from this now. So whether you're on stage or whether you're pastoring a church or whether you're writing a book or whether yeah. you're at Bucky's getting gas, this is yeah. your story forever. How do you reconcile yeah. that internally? Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that no matter where I go, even if no one knows, it's the story I carry of mm. the loss of River. How do you reconcile that with yourself and with God? Mm. That's, that is probably the segue for the gospel really uh, because and i had to learn and and part of part of writing the book is and this is just an idea and i don't know if it's true or not but it's like i want people to listen to my story so that they can advance quicker than i did so they don't have to go wow. through all the meaningless trash that i did to to end up in the place that i needed to be all along Wow, and so I, I, I kind of want people to use this and just bypass, stop letting, stop trying to define yourself with the world, and stop trying to find identity in who, what you do, and or what has happened to you in your past. Instead, it's Jesus that defines your identity. Yeah, no, that, that's I could that's say good. that, but no, it's good. it took me a long time to completely unpack that. But I, in one aspect of that, for instance. I felt guilty, right? Extremely guilty, and there's a sense there's a sense that I still do in the sense that people told me, "Hey, you shouldn't. This is not your fault. 
Uh-huh. You're in the backyard. I, I understand you're saying that the ki- you were watching the kids, but it's not your fault. It could happen to anyone. It was an accident. They could say that all they want. I'm not hearing it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not believing it. Right. <laughs> like, what do you, okay, thanks. Thank you. But I don't believe it because I was responsible. I am a father. I was in the backyard with a swimming pool and a three-year-old. Yeah. And it, regardless of the fence or the gate, or it's, it's still on me. And you can't j- just by being nice, take that away by saying I shouldn't feel guilty. So I had to reconcile that. And the, the only way the only offer we have as humans to be reconciled of a guilt like that is the gospel. Yeah. Because, because the world says that we need a new, we, we need to internalize our identity and no one can tell us, including ourselves, who or what we are. Mm-hmm. We go out and we get it. We go out, we strive, we achieve, we erase our past, we define our future. It's we, 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 I, I, I. Yep. But the Bible says... Opposite. The Bible says, <laughs> right. you are guilty. Mm. You are a sinner. You are not worthy of grace. And God says, but because of my great love for you, wow. as I send my wow. son into the world to cover your guilt, to cover your shame, to cover your sin and your worthlessness, to cover you out of great love because you are my child Mm. and I have redeemed you. I have restored you. I have adopted you as my own son and you are now forgiven, not because of anything you could have done, but because of what I have done for you. You are now declared not guilty. You are now declared worthy. You are now declared holy. And we sit in that and we go, thank you, God, because I'm not worthy and I am guilty and I am a sinner, but you have had mercy on me because of your great love for me. That's the only answer for a situation like mine. But when, for when I feel the, my identity is wrapped up in what I have done or not done and God goes, no, you are mine Mm -hmm. and nothing will stop that from, from nothing will let you slip from through my fingers. You are mine. And that, that is an amazing idea of peace and rest that the gospel provides for us. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation to share about one of our amazing partners, Relief Band. Okay, isn't nausea the absolute worst feeling ever? Okay, whether you're prone to motion sickness, fighting morning sickness, or get nauseous from a migraine, or you're going through chemo, Relief Band is the number one FDA-cleared anti-nausea wristband that has been clinically proven to quickly relieve and effectively prevent nausea and vomiting. And you can even use your HSA and FSA dollars to get a Relief Band, okay? Relief Band literally works, y'all. Whether you need everyday nausea relief or just this like occasional cure from nausea because you're heading on a road trip, a plane, or a boat, that was 
me this summer. Their patented technology makes feeling sick a thing you don't have to deal with. You can skip the nausea pills that make you groggy and exhausted because Relief Band is legitimately a band you wear on your wrist to give you relief from nausea. So your trip isn't ruined. Neither is your day. Plus, you get to change the intensity depending on how you're feeling to make it stronger or weaker, which I think is brilliant. So if you want the band that actually works at relieving your nausea, check out Relief Band. Right now, we've got an exclusive offer just for our That Sounds Fun friends. If you go to reliefband.com and use the promo code That Sounds Fun, you'll receive 20% off plus free shipping. So head to R-E-L-I-E-F-B-A-N-D.com and use the promo code That Sounds Fun for 20% off plus free shipping. That link and pretty much every other link you could ever hope for are in the show notes below or in Friday's AFD Week in Review email. So be sure to check those out. And one more amazing partner I get to tell you about, Nutrafol. Okay, are y'all seeing how Nutrafol is everywhere? It is literally everywhere. And millions of Americans experience thinning hair. In fact, it's super normal. It's just not talked about a lot, especially among women. If you're among them, you are not alone. There's a solution you can trust to deliver results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, thickness, and visible scalp coverage. It supports healthy hair growth by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, metabolism. Yeah, we have all of those. And Nutrafol addresses all of them through whole body health. I love that Nutrafol offers three different physician-created formulas. They all support women through all stages of life, including postpartum and menopause. So no matter what season you're in, they've got us covered. With the natural drug-free medical-grade ingredients, they're bringing us the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000-plus top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high-quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair, and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code that sounds fun to save $10 off your first month's subscription. This offer is only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. So get $10 off at Nutrafol.com. That's spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com. Promo code that sounds fun. Okay, now back to our conversation with Granger. That sounds fun. The side thing that happened i don't know if it was side for you the thing that we all watched happen as we were watching your story is the internet being sympathetic and horrible to you and so when there's these outside voices being horrible to you about your son's death how did you let the gospel be louder how do you let the gospel be louder than twitter and let the gospel be louder than the horrible things people said in that season. And maybe they still do. I don't know. I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, I <laughs> It mean, was too a, mean a, for me. I got off. <laughs> well, hey, good for you. And that's probably good advice for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. um, it's probably pretty good advice to just stay off of social media, especially if you've had something like this happen or if you're mm-hmm. a little sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it took, me, it took me a while to unpack what that could mean. And it, it, I'll try to do it right here. It kind of looks like this. Through an extreme loss, um, we, we, we gain a new sense of longing for heaven. Mm. Of yeah, that's true. We get a new mortality sense that we are exiles here on this planet. Yeah. That we, there is another home that is, that is beckoning us. Yeah. 
And death, especially to a loved one close to us, has that effect upon us in a, in a good way. In a good way, it, it creates this new longing like, oh, I've, I, everything in my bones is longing just to be home where there is no death and there are no tears and there is no darkness. Yeah. And we're in the presence of our Savior. Right? I just long for that. So that longing, a subset of that idea is a, a desire to tell other people about the gospel mm. so that they could be home too, right? Yeah, yeah. A subset of that is having compassion for people that are angry on social media. That's good. And so it's very difficult to get from point A to point F there, where, however many steps you got to jump to get from uh, the gospel to you're okay with people criticizing you on social media. But, but we have to, especially as Christians, we have to see those people that are evil and hateful and angry with us for any reason, we have to see them as just people outside of Christ right now. And if they only knew Christ, mm. they could feel peace and rest and they could have this longing for home like we do. So not that, not because we're better than them, yeah. but, but just because we, we are in a relationship with Christ. And so we want to think of them as a new missionary field. Mm. And that is by very being generous angry, of you, Granger. <laughs> It, it, I'm not, I'm not saying this in some way that I'm good at it or saying that <laughs> saying I'm a pro at this. I'm just saying that's the goal. That's how we get from A to Z here is, is we got to look at them as they are a mission field and we're not going to help anything by, by rebuking them or cussing them out or rejecting them. Or mm. the, the best thing we could do is just say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you feel this way. Yeah. And I love you, and, and I, I want to talk with you offline if I can. If, if you could get to that point where you truly feel like it, then, then you are starting to become the image of Jesus. Yeah. You're starting to be we're, we're, we're our Savior. What separates ourselves and so many other religions is that our Savior was, was rejected and tortured and and brutally hurt. And he, and yet he said, father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Right. That's our savior. If we could just, if we could just start becoming more like that, then, then Twitter is just not that big a deal. Yeah. I, yeah. Listen, that is the truth. When did you guys start having fun again? When did like, <laughs> did y'all laugh that week? Was it a year? Like how do you parent other kids and start having fun again in the midst of such a loss. Yeah, I think you kind of said it right with parenting other kids because, because we realized quickly that, like within hours, that these kids, Lincoln and London, they deserve to have a, a full life. Mm. They deserve to live um, like other children and have fun and enjoy themselves and, and not be held down by... Uh, grieving parents. That's we can't do that. We know that that is a, a huge disservice to them, and so um, we're going to have to sometimes fight against the current. And as parents, and as, as an entire family, because I I say Amber and I, but it's really you know my mom and my brothers and yeah. our close friends. We're all involved in this, and 
when one person is heavily grieving, the other person might not be. And so we, we have to learn to take advantage of that. And that one person can't drag the whole family down. We support them. But my wife and I were rarely on the same grief schedule. We were rarely uh, that like, was fascinating when you wrote about that, the different grief schedules and how that plays out. Yeah. I mean, we're rarely, if ever, like both of us were on rock bottom or both of us were feeling pretty good. Yeah. Uh, grief comes in waves. And so you're going to be in the trough one day and the, and the crest another day. But, yeah. but realizing that you are traveling on the wave is so important. And so what we wanted um, to be able to provide our kids because they're so resilient, we wanted to provide them with as normal life as possible. And the problem comes when you laugh and sometimes you laugh on accident because something is legitimately funny. Yeah. And then you think, how dare you laugh right now? Yes. How dare you, the person who lost their child five days ago, laugh at this silly joke. What kind of sick person are you? Well, that is, that is a lie. And that is that, that guilt that is a thief to steal your joy. And what we had to learn through that is that grief and joy can coexist at the same time. And laugh, there's nothing wrong with laughing, just like there's nothing wrong with crying. Whatever emotion you're feeling at the time, none of it takes away from the love of the child that you lost. Or the, I say child, but grandmother, mother, brother, sister, whatever, none of it takes away from the love. They can coexist. Yeah, last year, I, I remember right after, because it wasn't my child, because it was my sister's, and because I have the public life, there was a real balance of when when does Annie tell that her nephew died? And so when we did, when it was finally right for me to tell, it was about a week after. And then, then my next post was, I need y'all to give me permission to have fun. Because I'm balancing grief and suffering at the same time. And I've got this fear that the internet is going to be nasty if I'm just living my life and not publicly grieving constantly. And, and yep. it is that it was that it was a teachable moment for me and also for our friends on the other side of my work to be like, hey, listen, uh, trust me, we're grieving. And also, I can't live at the bottom of the ocean. I have to come up. I have to, you have to let me be at the crest of the wave or, or I just can't do the internet at all. (laughs) If you can't let me be both, I can't do the internet at all because that, that was probably one of the most profound lessons for me in that loss of losing TJ was, oh, we're, we're still glad to be together as a family. We're still enjoying, like Christmas still happened and we still had a butterboard competition. Like we still, and we grieved that Mm. he wasn't with us. Yeah. And that just seems, is that just the rest of our lives? <laughs> you're, well, you're three years ahead of me, so. <laughs> well, you are, um, you're thinking a lot of, of right things. And I, I, and I say that in a way because I know a lot of families that don't. There are families that create a, a shrine out of the bedroom of the child that they lost and it's like a memorial and it's ex- yeah. nothing has changed. And like the mother's going to get mad if anyone even goes in the room. And then I've seen families that I delete the, the right, kid. Right. They're gone. There's no pictures. There's no more bedroom. They're, they're gone. Yeah. Um, 
we <laughs> we probably did something right in the middle. We moved. Yeah, <laughs> we moved. We moved from that completely. Um, but and did you move to an all the way different town? Will you talk about that part? Like, was it? Did you stay in yeah, the community but we, move houses or? The first thing we did was we moved uh, twice. The, we moved the first time just to get out. Mm-hmm. And my brother, who has a similar story to you, Annie, with this kind of situation, he was, you know, he was grieving the loss of his nephew and they were so close. Um, but he was also trying to comfort his brother and yeah. be strong, be strong for him. And, and there was a sense that he had of, and it's a wrong sense that I don't know. I don't know quite how deep this grief is as my brother does because it was his son. Yeah. And I don't know as much because I'm just the uncle. And that was a wrong sense because, because everyone grieves on their own levels. And it, it, it has nothing to do with the, the title that you have the, of aunt or mother or father. It's not, it's not that. So we moved into my brother's house. He was gracious enough because he was selling it anyway. And he was yeah. like, hey, just come on, come on in. We lived there for less than a year. That was only four miles from our original house. And then we moved again and kind of started completely started over in the new town, like yeah. you said. Um, but the, the holidays and the, the um, birthdays and the, the day that they died, all of those, all of those anniversaries um, are very difficult. And so what I say to people um, kind of to your point about when do you, when do you have fun? Yeah. I, I just say, those that especially that first year do whatever feels right whether christmas time may, maybe that means you're going to destin florida this year yeah. and you're going to totally it's gonna be out sunshine, of the norm yeah yeah sunshine white sand you're going to get a an airbnb and the whole family's going to go there there is no fireplace with empty stockings yeah. you know it's it's all different um or continue the traditions and and laugh through it cry through it. But, but I think my point is whatever you feel like doing is not wrong at that time, especially that first year, yeah, that's hard. but it will be normal again. You, you will have a, a Christmas that's full of joy again. You will celebrate birthdays again, and you, you won't feel like there's constantly this anchor dragging you down. It's, you you never move on from a loss, yeah. but you can move forward and you could freely move forward and you could freely have joy. And I think we we need loss in our lives because it just gives us such a, a good perspective. And no one wants to hear that when they're on ground zero and that's sure. okay. But but I think 10 years, I'm, I'm coming up now on 10 years from losing dad. And I don't think as much of, like I used to think, oh, dad would have loved this restaurant. Uh, now I think, man, dad would have loved this restaurant. Yeah. And I like being here because, because I feel like dad would have loved this restaurant. Yeah. And there's a, there's, a, there's a great difference between those two feelings that yeah. only comes with, with experience and time yeah. down the road. Yeah. I, I, like to th- I think my counselor said this to me, that time is an unreliable healer without God. It is a healer, but it's just not reliable. But time will heal way better with God. 
That is so good. And, and you could add, you could add any, any analogy without God. Yeah. Any, it's like, not going to heal. Know, right. That's right. Even, even therapy, yeah. therapy is unreliable without God. Yes, that is exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, FabFitFun. Okay, y'all, I love FabFitFun boxes. I always forget when it's on the way and then I get such a fun surprise of new beauty products and fun accessories in the mail. As a FabFitFun member, you get exclusive access to shop thousands of curated products from top lifestyle products and brands for up to 70% off. And no joke, the box is not full of sample sizes, low quality products, or discontinued items, which has made me nuts about other subscription boxes in the past. Your FabFitFun box and mine has name brand full-size products of your old favorites, new brands, and others you've always wanted to try at a discounted price that you won't find anywhere else. How do they do that? Well, with over a million members, FabFitFun is able to offer up early access and exclusive drops and steep discounts from brands on the most sought after products. I have found some of my favorite products from my FabFitFun box, and it makes a great gift too. I got to tell you all right now, I am living for these little like discs that you put at the bottom of your shower that came in my FabFitFun box that make the whole shower smell like mint and eucalyptus. Oh my gosh, it is awesome. It's awesome. I would have never known without my FabFitFun box. So y'all go sign up at fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. Customize your box and get access to discounts of up to 70% off of brands like Fenty and Free People and Our Place, just to name a few. And if you're not in love with this season's options, take the credit to shop their exclusive flash sales of up to 70% and save on the biggest name brands out there. If you join FabFitFun as a new seasonal member right now, you'll also get 20% off your membership. So your first box is only 40 $7.99 for like $300 worth of goodies in each box, y'all. You've got to. You've got to. But you got to do it while supplies last. FabFitFun boxes always sell out. So join FabFitFun today and save at fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. Fabfitfun.com slash that sounds fun. And before we get back to our conversation with Granger, I just want to thank you for listening and being part of this big group of friends around here. Y'all, we are so grateful to get to have conversations like this, even if I can't stop crying, listening or recording it. But I, I just mean so much to get to have these deep conversations and that y'all are with us and share them with your people. It just means a ton. And I want to tell you this fall and for the rest of 2023, we've got some really special things planned. As you know, I'll be living in New York City for October and November, and that will bring some fun things to the show. And we also have a few series we've built in that are literally just responses to the most requested topics that y'all are asking for, whether it's through email or comments on Instagram or when I saw you at the tour in June. We are building the shows that y'all are asking for. We've got some deep spiritual conversations coming, and we have some beer fun ones coming too, and a lot of surprises as we head toward 2024, which is the 10th anniversary year of the That Sounds Fun podcast, which I cannot believe. We're going to be going new places together, but with the same heart and don't worry, same host. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss a thing. We'll let you know who's coming up on the show each week in the AFD Week in Review that hits your inboxes on Fridays. So make sure you're signed up for that too. And now let's go back and finish up this conversation with Granger. So was the, you know, you talked about kind of the button pushing on you to write this book. Was the button pushing on you to go into ministry 
before you lost River? Was he a catalyst for this? Like, where did the when did the button start pushing of like, because you are a very good country singer and you are very fun to watch on stage. And you, I mean, I've been a fan of your music for a long time. You're great at what you've been doing. So thank you. The push to go to ministry. Was that before Deering? What's the. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, no, no chance. Not even inkling. I was, I was loving it. And, and, on June 3rd, I could say, and including into June 4th of 2019, up until that point, um, I loved it. I mean, of course, it, it had its toll. You know, the, the, the touring life is a grind, but I loved it. I loved it. I loved making music and new albums and new tours and um, experiencing all new cities and, and fans. I, there was There was no, absolutely nothing in me that wanted to slow down ever. Um, and, and after that though, especially those, you know, that first tour right after I just, it never felt the same. Yeah. And, and I found myself just wanting to get through it and everything was just a grind and just grueling and nothing mattered. It just felt like, it felt like it was meaningless. Yeah. And, and, in a part, in, in a way it was, and now I got over that. I, I did, I didn't just stay in that meaningless world and that's definitely not the reason that I into touring because that would be, that would be an easy cop out, you know, just, no, I just never felt good. So I just left. Right. I would much prefer to say that, that, um, the draw from God into more of a ministry role was so great and so bright and so beautiful and so enticing Mm. that even the love that I had for music and touring couldn't compete with that, that new passion that I had. So it was a slow, it was a slow burn and no pun intended, but, (laughs) um, God, he, he did restore touring and I did love it again. You know, like I, I knew that I loved it when in COVID, when COVID hit and it went away and I missed it. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, I would just, how much I would just give for a normal tour again to be in a county fair with no mask. And, and I knew then I knew then, Oh, I do love this. I do love the camaraderie of my band, but through sanctification, which is after really after a rebirth, you start, you start feeling things in your life that need to be stripped away and they kind of fall away like scales from, you know, on a fish. And as these scales are falling away, um, certain things in music started really pressing on me for the first thing that happened was my record label. I've just was with a fantastic record record label, BMG loved everybody there. Um, We had great worldly success at that label. And I, I really started feeling sanctified about putting out another single Mm. because the, kind of the timeline came up at the record label where it's like, okay, it's time for a new album, time for a new single. And when that happens, that means I got to get on the road and I got to go and I got to talk to all the radio, radio personalities yeah. and I got to tell them how much I love this new single and why they should play it and take them to dinner and then play a bunch of shows for them. And, and then it kind of starts to cycle over and then I put an album and then I support the album with the tour. And I was just like, I, I do not have the endurance to do that to start the whole because, thing over, yeah, right. Because now um, I was really interested in my podcast. I was really yeah. interested in these new speaking engagements that I had, and to to be able to 
do both at the same time just seemed overwhelming. Yeah. So I thought, I think I need to back away from the record label. Yeah. My brother Tyler was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, no one does that. It's a perfectly good label. Yes. And pe people would die for this opportunity that you're just wanting to turn it in. And I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile it. I just felt so overwhelmed. I couldn't sleep at night. I just yeah. thought... And that, and I know now that was God just sanctifying me with his with his burner finger going let it go let it go I have greater things for you and now that's something I didn't truly understand I'm I'm starting to better understand it now and I don't I think it'll take decades to really unpack it but but God goes I have a promise for you of better things if you trust if you surrender I have greater things for you yeah. Let it go. And those greater things, it doesn't mean wealth or success or even worldly happiness. It could just mean peace, yeah. rest, grace, love. It, you know, it's, it's, and those things are greater than any, any kind of worldly success. Yeah. So the record label was the first thing to go. Um, several months went by. I felt great. And then I started feeling the burn again. Yeah. This, this time on the touring itself. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are letting the, the next thing go. Yeah. So it looks like going to seminary, right? Aren't you starting seminary? I'm in seminary now. Yeah. yeah. And and now I know through seminary just how much time that takes. Yeah. <laughs> that there is there wouldn't have been time for other stuff right. anyway because right. there's just so much reading. <laughs> right. Right. That's right. That's right. So you, you got time to write books and read books. And that's about it yeah. <laughs> for yeah. a while. Okay. So uh, one of my last questions I'd love to ask you is we're thinking about, I'm thinking about my sister and her husband. I'm thinking about my friends who lost a child in the covenant shooting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There are so many of our friends listening who have lost children in their lives that are adjacent like me. You're right. My pain is very real. Clearly I've cried this whole episode, but what do parents need from the other adults in the story? Mm, that's a great question. And so you're thinking other adults that are outside of this scenario. Yeah. It's not in, my into, child. It's my nephew yeah. or my, my friend's kids or, you know. Yeah. That's, that is, um, that's a great question. And I think it, it probably should be talked about more, but it, it sometimes it's going to depend on how far you are from ground zero. So mm. are we talking a week? Are we talking three months? Are we talking five years? Because that answer changes yeah, because it, it, it five years, I'm going to come in there to that family and I'm going to say, Hey, we're going to make some changes. We're going to clean this house up. Um, we're going to think about a, uh, putting some stuff on Craigslist and then, yeah. And then taking a bunch of stuff to donate, and then we're gonna then we're gonna trash a bunch of stuff. And and I'm gonna help you and work through it. It's gonna be difficult, but we're gonna get we're gonna roll up our sleeves and we're gonna get some stuff done. Yeah. That's that's what we're doing at five years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we're talking a few months. It's just availability. We don't want to fix anything. We don't want to. I don't think we're going to overwhelm them with devotionals or too much spiritual stuff. We're not, right. we're not dragging them to a new church. Overwhelm them with Rice Krispie treats. If you're going to overwhelm them with something, yeah. make it food, <laughs> not Devo's. That's good. Yeah. And, and you, you have to kind of, um, you have to play the room and you have to understand that sometimes, sometimes they don't want, they don't want you there. Yeah. And when that's the case, drop off the Rice Krispies and just say, 
I'll see you tomorrow. I'm going to come back tomorrow about the same time. Yeah. And if you don't want to talk tomorrow, I'll be here about one o'clock. I'll just leave the Rice Krispies on the, on the front porch, yeah. you know, yeah. or whatever it is that you're bringing. Yeah. Um, and then you might show up on Wednesday and they, and they're sitting at the table and they want to talk at that point, you jump in yeah. and you open up your schedule and you just listen. You don't have to have a solution. You don't have to tell them what they need to do. Yeah. You just listen. And, there, and there's two, I told Amber this yesterday because she was going in to uh, a person that was grieving. Yeah. And I said, there's, there's two things you got to remember. There's two sentences you should remember as you have this conversation. And this is great for everyone that's going into a parent that lost or anyone that's going through loss. The first, the first thing to say is, that must be so difficult for you. And the second thing is, how does that make you feel? Mm. And then you could rotate those. So it's like this. It's like they say, I, I feel like the walls are caving in. I don't, I don't even want to go to work. You say, that must be so difficult for you. Yeah. And they say, yeah, it is. Because I, you know, my boss is calling me and he's saying, right. are you going to show up? Are you going to, I just need to know. And you say, how does that make you feel? Mm. And they say, well, it makes me feel, you know, kind of worthless. And, and it just, I, I wish I can just get back on my feet and I want to go to work, but I can't. And, and then you say, that must be so difficult. so difficult. You just rotate those things yeah. and let them unpack it. You don't have to give That's them a solution. Really you don't have to say, you tell, you tell your boss this. Or right, right, you right. You need to give, get, you know, just... Yeah. I've solved it. Let me tell you what you should do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, that is so helpful. I am sorry you know how to help us through that. And I'm really thankful that you know how to help us through that, both at the same time, the grief and the joy. So, Can I say one more thing to that? Yes. I I personally never liked the question, how are you doing? Mm. I would have... So what's a better question? question? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I think I think you could say something like, um, "Can I come see you today?" Great, that's yeah. really good. That's really good. Yeah, because when Your you presence. say, "How are you doing?" How are you doing? That what we hear is, "What do I look bad?" Or do <laughs> right. I sound bad? Or I, I I guess I guess it's more apparent that I'm feel like hell right now. It's more apparent than it ever than I thought it was. Yeah, yeah, and I would wonder. This was not my experience, but I would wonder sometimes if the how are you doing feels like the other person is just checking off, checking on you versus actually True. like doing something like they're just, okay, True. they're almost relieving their own. I checked on Granger and Amber. Okay. I checked on Granger and Amber. I did. And you're like, well, actually we're, we haven't gotten off the couch, but you didn't ask that. You didn't ask if I've walked anywhere today. So I didn't have to True. answer that, you know? <laughs> True. So I like the, can I come over? Yeah. That's really, yeah. that's, I mean, that's been one of the things, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have friends involved with the covenant shooting as well, but one of the interesting mm. things about the covenant shooting in the spring, I mean, I was at dinner last night with a staff member and it's, it is invasive. It's invasive. It's everywhere. And it's just part of everything. And just like loss is. And so you just kind of go at one point, she said, will someone else tell a story? We're like, yeah, sorry, sorry, mm. sorry. We, sorry, we've been making you talk about this the whole time. Yes, here's some other stories. And we just don't. Mm. That's so good. We're all yeah. learning it together too. We're learning together how to grieve in that way, right? 
So, and sometimes it's just, uh, can I come over? I mean, I have one friend, Granger, that I'm just like, I'm coming to, can I come tomorrow? Can I come tomorrow? Can I come tomorrow? And three out of four times, she doesn't answer me. But the one yeah. out of four times, I go over <laughs> when she responds. And so she will remember that though, when the years go by, she's going to look back. Not that you need credit for it or anything, no. but she'll look back and go, wow. She was, Annie was so persistent. Annie stalked me during that. And, <laughs> and it, ma it matters. Yeah. Yeah. Because there, there might be other people out there that think the same thing, but they don't want to, they don't want to like cross any boundaries. So they don't say anything. Yeah. And then five years go by and you go, did they even care at all? Yeah. I don't know. Where's that friend? Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm going to always lean on the stalker version of a friend. That is me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, showing so. up with, showing up with the cold lasagna yeah. and coming in and, and like, I had friends that just come in and turn on the oven, yeah. put it in the oven and like start preheating and be like, hey, I'm putting a lasagna in here. Yeah. I'm going to set the timer in about 45 minutes. It's going to go off. Just pull it out. And um, I got some plates set out here. You guys need anything? Yeah. And I'm and just then... like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of cool. I was, yeah. I didn't have plans for dinner, so that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, what did we not say about the book or about your story that you want to make sure we cover, Granger? Sorry I cried uh, the whole time. I'm uh, thankful thank that you, you are a pastor who can put up with it. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I don't think I've don't think I've done an interview yet where someone read actually read the whole book. So. Oh well. Happy I think to that's do the it. First time. Happy to yeah. do it. It was um, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for, yeah. for caring. Of course. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, there's a lot of pieces we didn't get to in the book that I'm excited for people to get to read. Excited in the way of like the IVF story is beautiful. Y'all's uh, COVID yeah. story is beautiful. Honestly, your experience with weed is really important thing. I mean, that's an important <laughs> thing for people to read and to walk with you through. So I, I, I'm, I can think of a few families that I'm happy to put this book in their hands and a few that I will wait a few more months. I will buy it now because mm. it's out and I'll wait a few more months and I'll put the book in their hands. Oh, um, that's wonderful. It feels like a beautiful resource. Um, Granger, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. What do you guys do for fun? Oh, yeah. Th th and that, that makes more sense of why you even asked that question. Um, what's really neat is this, this is the last tour, you know? So yeah. I have been switching off, uh, bringing the kids. I took my son Lincoln, he loves the mountains. So we went to Utah and Idaho and, yeah. uh, Colorado and Nevada. And now my daughter is going to go with me to New York and Boston and Richmond. Brilliant. So she's going to do the Northeast run. Yeah. And that we are having so much fun. Last night I had a um, daddy daughter date with London too. Yeah. So, um, having so much fun right now in our place in our life of having one-on-one -on -one time with with the parents. I yeah. think that's that's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite pastors in Atlanta, Jeff Henderson, says, "How you end one season determines how the next one starts." Mm. And so, you celebrating that and bringing your kids along to exit touring feels like such a beautiful way to set up a great new season. Mm. So, oh, that's great! What a I gift to them. Thank you for making time to do this. And thank you for writing this book. I think it is going to, it is just a good read. You're a very good writer, but I think it's also going to help so many people. Ranger, it helped me. So I'm really grateful thank for you. it. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. I've, I've enjoyed this conversation. Thanks, me too. Y'all, what a story, right? I mean, what a story. What a man, what a family. It is not easy to talk about loss. And so for Granger to be willing to write about this, talk about it so openly, um, just 
really grateful. This mattered a lot to me today, as you know, as we celebrate one year since we lost my nephew. So, hey, y'all, make sure you grab a copy of Like a River. Follow Granger on social media. Thank him for being on the show today. It just means a ton to me. If y'all need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And yes, I am really there again. It took me a minute to download Instagram back to my phone, but I did it. I really did it. And don't forget, you can find That Sounds Fun podcast on Instagram at That Sounds Fun Podcast. I think that's it for me today, friends. I'm so happy to be back with you. Go out, stay home, do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is from our Hall of Fun, Jenna Claire is in Nashville. So we are going to dinner with some friends tonight. I'm so excited. I just love her so much. So if you missed that episode, go back and listen. She is just one of the best. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday with one of my all-time favorite worship leaders and one of my favorite guests on the pod, Stephanie Gretzinger. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. Yeah.